before we get started, let me tell you about patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There we have exclusive shows such as So Tell Me, an introspective show about my life. That's what So Tell Me is. People apparently love that show a lot. <laughs> um, Hard Asses with Jody B. That is the show that me and Jody B do monthly that um gets a little while. The D&D Podcast, which is a show I do with my son, which is a review show of movies and TV shows and stuff like that. You get to see the side, other side of my son. And we have much, much more stuff to check out there. We also have a show with Mike Fowler and other things that you will just love. So go on Patreon.com slash Delvin Cox Experience. Also, shout out to Patreon producers, Ben Goodwin, A.K. Ghost Rider UK, Mikey Famine, and Douglas Regert Johnson. Thank you guys. Peace. Continuing our conversation on mental health, I have my boy Red from Shitty Song of the Week on. How you doing, Red? Pretty good, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing good. You know, we've had multiple guests on right now, and I'm you no. Know, as I said in previous episodes, we we don't start these off with the five for five because I don't feel like it'd be appropriate. Right. So, I'm just gonna ask you one simple question. Okay. How you feeling? Mm. First thought, I'm all right. Oh, all right. See, that is a step up from the previous answer. So, um, I mean, if you want to dig deep and and peel back a layer or something, I could say, I mean, I'm stressed a little bit. Well, well, stress is good. I think, um, you know, um, the previous episodes. Let, let, let's let's get into stress, I think, I guess, because it's kind of interesting, and I didn't do this intentionally, but, like, the last episode of this conversation dealt with grief from loss, and the, and the first episode kind of dealt with um a different type of um mental stress, because, you know, this is all about um mental health and how different things kind of affect you. So, and I'm glad you kind of touched on stress so we can just go over that <laughs> in terms of like, um, what, what stresses you read? What, what kind of puts you in that stressful mood that kind of like affects your mental health? Well, I don't know when this is going to come out to the public or anything, but it's the holidays. Um, so work stresses me out cause I'm a uh, business owner. I own a paint company. So, you know, work stresses me. Um, 
it's a common thing, Delvin. It's not like I'm, uh, you know, fortunately I'm, I'm okay right now, you know, as far as, uh, my life goes, you know, you, you know, my story, I've been all over the place, but it's like, um, you know, I worry about, you know, my kids are almost grown, but I worry about having enough money for, you know, presents for my kids and, and things for my kids to have. I stress about paying my bills in the meantime, while I'm trying to buy all those presents, I'm trying to, you know, be a good dad and be a good Santa Claus and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, daily stresses, I mean, work stresses me more than anything for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I get that completely. Cause you know, it's the holiday season. That's that stress factor is really high. So l- let right. me ask you this. Um, how do you personally like maintain the stress levels? I feel like everybody has some sort of stress. I don't know if it's like, it, it can be high sometimes it can be low, but you know, there's always a little bit of level of stress out there. So how do you kind of maintain that? Well, it's one of two ways, uh, Delvin. One being um, I meditate, believe it or not. I don't seem like the type to, to meditate or to take a mental break, but I do. Um, I learned that from previous mental illnesses that I have. But talking about stress, I meditate a lot. Um, I also smoke cannabis. That, that that seems to help a lot also. Okay. Let's let's go to the first one first and then we'll go to the cannabis part okay so let's go down your journey how did you learn the journey of meditation and how has it helped you with your mental health issues because you said you had some so i'm quite sure we can probably go over that so yeah so 2007 april um i got in a bad car accident uh should have should have died but i didn't got banged up a little bit got banged up a little bit and got banged up a little bit but i'm okay but uh I, I uh, developed, diagnosed PTSD. I don't like to throw that word around a lot because most people that have PTSD have been through something way more traumatic than what I went through. War, abuse, shit like that. You know what I mean? So, but I started having anxiety attacks and panic attacks and, you know, I mean, it was a whole thing. So to combat my panic attacks and my anxiety attacks, I learned how to breathe through them instead of taking medication um i learned how to meditate and breathe through panic attacks and ground myself and kind of talk myself out of one you know what i mean so i also use those same tactics when i get stressed out okay can you this is i'm putting you on the spot a little bit can you (laughs) go over one real quick with me because you know somebody probably can hear this and maybe it'll help them dude it's just honestly it's positive as positive affirmations it's just you know you're a good person uh you got this um you know personal things that i like to talk tell myself that i I won't share but um you know just positive affirmations and talking myself up and being my own hype man you know what i mean like i've said for a long long time that you know music everybody has a soundtrack you know, music helps me get through some of those stresses too, Delvin. One of three things, I guess. But okay. uh, it's just dis- dissociating from everything for just a few minutes. You know, whether it's standing in the shower or, you know, I, I, I meditate kind of driving down the road to work. I'm not closing my eyes or anything, but I'm clearing my head and of, of all thoughts and, you know, awarenesses and stuff like that. And I just try to reset 
if that makes any sense. Makes perfect sense. Let me let me ask you this, because I'm curious. Do you have a daily affirmation book? Uh, no. Because I, I know a few people who have a daily affirmation book, and they go through the book, and they kind of um go over the affirmations and things like that, and they read them, and it kind of helps them get through their day. Well, one of the general personal things that I tell myself, it's not really personal. It's a general thing, but I feel like it's personal enough to 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 talk about it, I guess, but is you're worthy. You're 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 better than you were yesterday. You're you're a good father, you're a good husband. You, you know what I mean? And 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 that that kind of thing, you know, gets me through the day. I realize that I'm not out here doing this just for me, but I got a family at home that I'm providing for. So I have to go do it whether I want to or not. And I have to find that work because that's what it takes to run my household. So those kind of things are what I tell myself pretty much every day. That that's good. I, I like I like to hear that, Red. That's that's yeah. really good, man. Um, yeah. yeah. I I find it interesting that you talked about the PTSD thing, and I think it's important to acknowledge that because so many people go through a, a form of that. They may have not go into war or anything like that, right? But they 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 may have like um unresolved issues in their life, and they may have some post undiagnosed post-traumatic stress syndrome from that. Like, you know, you, you mm-hmm. hear that a lot when I'm um, sexual assault victims and right. things like that. I, I think I have a little bit of that in terms of, um, I had a similar situation where I had a really bad car accident where I was on the expressway and a car side swiped me from the back and kept going. And then my car spun around and hydroplane wow. and it crashed wow. really bad. And I literally saw my life flash before my eyes. Mm-hmm. I, I was in, I got out. I was okay, and um, for a long time, every time I, it would rain hard, and I would be driving in the rain, I would I would get like almost like panic attacks, yep. and I would have to pull over because it was so stressful. I dealt with that for three months after I got in my car accident. I didn't drive for three months. Every time I did, I would have a panic attack, and the first time that I actually left my yard. Uh, I was picking up my kids from school. Luckily, it happened when I was on the way there when I was by myself, but I panicked on the highway and, like, locked my brakes up going down the highway and just stopped because I couldn't drive anymore. And, um, you know, I went to the doctor about it, and they wanted to put me on medicine, and they did for a while, but I just didn't like the way it made me feel. So I learned how to meditate and decompress and ground myself through breathing techniques and meditation and that kind of stuff. So... It's it's a it's been a long journey because you before I learned how to meditate and decompress and all that kind of stuff, man, my my life was riddled with panic attacks and and anxiety attacks and just uneasiness all the time, all the time. Let, let me ask you, did you ever get diagnosed for anything? Did they tell you the reason why you was having panic attacks or anything like that? I got diagnosed with PTSD ah. and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. So all that. Was from that same accident? Is that what? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, because when I came when I when I came home, um, I didn't sleep. I didn't. I mean, I ate, but it wasn't a lot. I'm a, I'm more of a grazer anyway. But um, it was mostly loss of sleep, and and I would you know doze off, and I would hear the glass breaking and the metal crunching rolling down the highway and all this kind of stuff. So I didn't sleep at all. So 
you know, I've, I've never been one to take a lot of medicine and pills and stuff like that. I've, I've got my own vices, but pills never was one of them. So I had to find other ways to, to conquer it and to beat it, you know, and, you know, meditation and decompression and all that kind of stuff is where I found my relief at for sure. All right. Let's, let's get the part two of that then. Where did the cannabis come into play with this? How did you realize that, hey, this can help me? What made you start getting into it? What made you kind of like, all right, this this is helping me a lot? Because I know people, especially the older people, they look at cannabis like, oh, it's the, the devil's lettuce. It's not something you see. It's a drug that hurts people and stuff like that. Right. They people, they, you, you always see the story, people die from smoking weed. And you're like, it's like, nah, it's not that serious. And then right. nowadays, you know, it's kind of like, uh, people are like, ah, there's a lot of, Ways cannabis can help people, like some some hospitals, they give people cannabis when they have cancer to kind of ease their pain right. away. So, yeah, how how did you find it? Oh goodness, my my story with cannabis goes back. I was fourteen years old, and I've always smoked pot, Delvin. I've always been a a pothead, if you will. Okay. Um, but the older I I got, the more I realized that it was more than just a you know, easy way to have a good time, I guess. Um, you know, I started learning about medical properties of it. And like everybody does, you know, I, I've, I've had my fun with, with weed. Everybody has, I think. But, you know, when, when you look at the research that's been done on it and, you know, you learn what strains do what and they help, you know, what ailment and all this, it, it got me thinking, you know, why not use it for good, you know, instead of trying to, get high with it all the time and party with it all the time and all this. So it was more of a, a, a realization that I'm not, you know, 17 anymore. I'm not a pothead anymore. I'm more of a cannabis user now. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I've, I've been a functioning member of society since I was 16 years old, you know, so I've always smoked it and it's always been a part of my life, but now I'm, you know, using it for good. And I think it's, I've done my research and I only smoke specific strains and, you know, not, I'm a more, I lean more towards the indica side of cannabis than I do the sativa, you know, so. Okay. Before you move on, I want to ask you so it can help people understand. Okay. What's the difference? Uh, the easy way to explain it is sativa is daytime. Indica okay. is night, indica is nighttime. Okay. Perfect. Uh, sativa's more in the head, flighty, you know what I mean? Energetic, lots of creative ideas. Uh, indica is pretty much a body buzz. Can put you on the couch, lazy, sleepy, you know what I mean? So that's why it's a nighttime. Thing. So indica is the kind of the one that stereotype stoners have for like movies. Yeah. Like anytime you like watch a movie, you'll see a stoner there. Yeah. They're on the couch. They have the munchies. They're sleeping. Yeah. That's the one. Yep. That's the one. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't sit down and, you know, smoke a whole joint to the face or anything like that. I, I, I micro dose more. I'm 44 years old. We'll be in a couple of weeks and, uh, you know, I, I micro dose more than I do anything. I don't smoke whole, you know, joints to the face or anything like that anymore. It's more of a couple puffs just to de-stress for a few minutes while I'm at work or, you know what I mean? Come home after a hard day at work or, or whatever. So. Um, I don't abuse the privilege anymore. I'm a legal cannabis or medical cannabis card holder now in the state of West Virginia, so I'm doing it all the right way. You know well, what I mean? 
let, let's get into that. How how did that process work? How did you get the the car oh, and stuff Lord. like that? Because I I imagine it's an interesting process considering that there was a time where there was no legal marijuana, and <laughs> now you right. can just kind of go anywhere and get it. Um. Well, I had I'm you know I'm originally from South Carolina and I moved to West Virginia in 2015. So uh, all my medical records were in South Carolina. So I had to call down there, get them to you know fax or email my medical records to you know my current doctor up here, and then from there those medical records had to go to the State Department, you know DHEC and all this kind of stuff. And I had to make a telemed appointment with a cannabis doctor and go over my diagnosis of anxiety and PTSD and all this kind of stuff. And he recommended it was just like a regular medicine prescription. Like he wrote it out, you know, emailed it to me and I had to turn it into uh DHEC. The state of West Virginia has created a uh, division of DHEC called the West Virginia office of medical cannabis. And they approve your, um, your card stuff and they, you know, turn the, the prescription, over to the state, put your name on paper and all this kind of stuff in case you get in trouble with it or any, cause it's still federally illegal, you know? So, okay. uh, but it was, it was a whole process, man. It took me probably, I don't know, a couple months, but I got on the train early when I found out it was happening. I got immediately on it and it, it's kind of neat. Uh, my medical card has a serial number or a, or a patient number or whatever on it, right? It's like a six digit number. Okay. Mine is zero 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 three six one, so <laughs> I'm the three hundred and sixty first person to get my card in the state of West Virginia. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was a lengthy process. I, I've heard now in the state of West Virginia, it's not as hard, or not say not as hard. It's not as a lengthy of a process to get it now. So they're trying to boost the numbers and you know, try to get it recreationally legal and all that kind of stuff too. But like I say, I'm a middle-aged man now. It's, it's, you know, it's more of a, of a, um, a way to relax and de-stress when I don't have that time to meditate or I just, you know, want to hang out and, you know, smoke a joint. That's what I do, you know, and it helps, man. It really does. I have, it, it's weird because some, some strains of uh, cannabis that I smoke, um, like uh like a a sativa by chance like I, if I smoke too much of that it sends me into a panic attack because then I start you know my, my my OCD will start obsessing over you know how how high I am and then it just goes wild from there and then that's when I have to you know and kind of breathe through it and de-stress and you know and that's why I lean more towards the indica side of things because it's more of a body thing than it is in my head making me think about why I'm hot. You know what I mean? So that's, 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 that's fascinating. So how do you, how you, how do you manage your, your weed intake? So you don't get like to the point where you're stressing out and it's causing, causing a problem for you. No, like normally when I was young, I said, you know, sit down, roll a joint, smoke the whole thing by myself. You know, no problem. And I could do that now, but I'm not, I'm not out. I'm not seeking out to get like annihilatedly high. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm not trying to get blitzed. I'm just trying to maintain. So it goes from smoking a whole joint by yourself to, you know, lighting it up, taking a couple puffs off of it and putting it out and saving, you know, a little bit more for later. 
little bit later, you know, I'm having a panicky moment or whatever. I light it up, take a couple puffs. And I even carry a, uh, what they, they, I guess the, for the layman, the kids call it a dad pen. Okay. Uh, I will. Those are a little bit more easier than, you know, cause you still can't smoke it in public. You know, you still have to be in the confines of your, your own home or whatever. So when I'm out in public or I'm at work or it's just easier to hit off that little dad pen, then that's what I do too. So, okay. um, it's, I think they call it micro dosing. Okay. Where, where you don't do a lot at one time, you do a little bit in increments. You know what I mean? So you maintain instead of getting, you know, way more elevated than you want to, you kind of stay on an even keel all day. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this answer to the question I want to ask you. Okay. So you said you have kids, you have a family and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So how are your kids and your, and your wife? feel about you and the weed do they do you do they smoke weed is it a thing where you're like all right you know you have to look at it as a, a parent like you know what i i got too into it now i see my kids picking it up and I'm, i kind of get it or well for my my children my, my kid for my kids entire life i always hid it from them you know just because i don't want them you know to go back to school and say Hey, my daddy's cigarettes smell funny or what, yeah. is green, what is this green stuff in my daddy's sock drawer kind of thing? You know what I mean? So I never kept it in my house. I always kept it in my garage or out in a little man cave or something away from the house. I never you know, kept it in the house or anything. But the older they got and the less taboo it became, the more they found out about it at school and you know, see it on social media and all this kind of stuff, the more it became easier to talk about. And the more it became easier to introduce to my children and say, Hey, look, your dad is a, you know, a cannabis patient. He smokes weed, you know, medically, you know, and I, and they, they know I've always smoked weed. My oldest daughter, she's 21 years old. She's been smoking since she was 17, 18 years old. And I don't, I didn't get mad. You know, I still, I mean, even though I was a current user, I still said, are you sure this is what you want to do? You don't have to do that because I do. You know, you don't need to do it for this. You need to do it for that. You don't need to do it here. You can do it. You know what I mean? And those kind of, not rules, but, you know, guidelines, I guess you could call them. Yeah. My other two kids, they're 17, 14. They don't smoke, but they know that I do. And there's not a problem with it. I mean, I have, you know, adult friends that are part of the, you know, the PTA that know that I smoke. You know what I mean? I'm a professional. I'm a business owner. You know what I mean? But. There's nothing wrong with going home. It's no different than having a beer after work, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. You know what I mean? So it's it's just part of culture now. I mean, I think it's a lot more widely accepted than it was even five, ten years ago, really. Oh, yeah, big time. So so let, let me ask you this, because you said, you said you're a business owner. Mm-hmm. What is it like running your business and kind of balancing that work life balance so you can kind of have a mentally healthy mind. I think that's also important. You you got different things going on here. You got your work-life balance, then you got to be a dad. You got to do everything that comes with being a dad, and you're a very active father. So also you're a podcaster, so that I feel like maybe podcasting, maybe your downtime or something that kind of helps you relieve stress. So how does that work out for you? Well, when I first started working for my, my dad, my, my dad taught me everything I know about painting and everything there is to know about the business side of it. And whenever I started working with my dad, first thing he told me is never take your work home with you. 
Good you advice. Leave it, you leave it at work. If you had a bad day, if, you know, this is just generally speaking about the, you know, the industry that I work in, but you know, you spilled a gallon of paint on somebody's carpet and it ruined your day, or you fell off a ladder and hurt your leg and you've been in pain all day. You know, you had a run in with a homeowner, leave it there. Don't bring it home because when your work life starts affecting your home life and you've got problems, you know, and that goes with any job, not just what I do, but any job, you never bring your work home with you. I try to separate my work and my home stuff. You know what I mean? Like most people have jobs and my wife included actually has a job to where her phone rings 24 seven and it gets on my nerves, but that's part of her job. She has to be on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week if something happens. Right. So she brings her work home with her, but she doesn't bring the happenings of the day home with her. She doesn't bring the stress of the day home with her. You know, I, I've, I've tried for years to teach her how to meditate and breathe through, you know, stress because stress will kill you, Devin. Yeah. Stress will absolutely kill you. And, and that's why I try to maintain a Zen level of consciousness. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I try not to get too stressed out about stuff, you know? So, um, balancing work and home, you know, my, my, my job has, you know, just like anybody's, I guess, but my, my job has helped pay for, you know, vacations and school shoes and school clothes and things like that, you know, so that part of it, you bring home, I guess, in a, in a way of speaking, but with the, with the, 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 the attitudes and the bad days and the snarkiness from coworkers and the piss poor attitude that you have at work. I try not to bring that home. It's hard sometimes, especially when your day's just been complete shit. But at the end of the day, it's not your wife's fault or your husband's fault. And it's not your kid's fault that you had a bad day at work. You know, yeah. if my kids had a great day at school and I come home with a bad attitude that negates what kind of day they had. You know, so when I bring it home, it tears everybody down because it's cancer, you know, bad attitudes and, and, you know, just bad days will ruin a whole entire household in just a few minutes if you let it, you know, so I, I try to keep them separate as much as I can. No I, doubt. I think that's super important. Did you learn that from watching your dad kind of like go through that kind of find that work life balance? Well, I've seen my dad bring work home, you know what I mean? Stress and, you know, financial burdens and, you know, just the, the lack of work. It, it's stressful as a, as a business owner. So I've seen him come home and take it out, you know, verbally on my mom and yell and fuss and cuss about money and, you know, fight about this and whatever. And I think that's where he got it from. It's not worth it to bring your work home with, with you and ruin your marriage or your relationship with your kids or, or anything. It's not worth it. They're, the, the country's hiring every day of the week. So if you don't like that job, if it's not right for you mentally, go find another one that is, you know. So I found what I like doing. I've been doing it for 20-plus years now. And it, it, it in itself, um, when I'm – when I'm steady working and I've got a good workflow and I'm lined up with work and I'm steady, there's nothing more less stressful to me than painting the inside of a house, you know? So I think my dad learned it from his own experience and he taught me not to go through that. Like he did kind of deal. You know what I mean? Now I'm not going to say that I haven't come home and taken my bad day out on my family because I have, but 
I've learned from my mistakes. It ruins a weekend. It ruins, a, you know, a day. So I try not to bring it home if I can. You know what I mean? I make a conscious decision that when I get out of my work van, when I get at, at home, everything that happened that day stays in that van or at that house that I worked at. That, I'm, now, I'm now at home. I'm in a different, you know, different mindset. I'm not, you know, red the painter anymore. I'm, I'm dad. I'm honey or babe. You know what I mean? I'm somebody's husband. So I try to, I try to make a conscious decision not to bring it home with me, Devin. Okay. Let, let me ask you, cause you mentioned this stuff earlier. I thought it was interesting. You said you try to help your wife learn these medication type of Mm-hmm. things how has that worked out for you does because I, I can imagine she's all with her jetliner work she's kind of stressed out a lot too sometimes and yeah yeah maybe i don't know if she dabbles in the marijuana or anything like she that for not. her stress so that no. there, there we go how does she maintain her stress as far as you know uh she likes being with her family family time and you know hanging out with the kids kids making us laugh and making you, you know, making her forget about what's going on at work. That's cooking, baking. My, my wife's the same age I am, but we're getting ready to be grandparents for the first time in a few months. So congratulations. She's, she's turning into, you know, granny that bakes and she's always cooked and stuff, but she likes baking cakes and pies and, you know, snacks and different foods or whatever that she finds recipes for. So it's, uh, uh, I guess, those things help her de-stress and kind of, you know, decompress a little bit by using her um, stressfulness or her energy into baking or cooking rather than like I am, I'm, you know, smoking cannabis and meditating. <laughs> so <laughs> hers is, hers is baking and cooking, I guess. I think, I think that's good that you guys have that balance to kind of find your, your ways to process stress in different ways, because, you know, like you said, you were dealing with the PTSD and you still deal with it. As you say, and I think that's kind of mm-hmm. good that you balance it. I, I'm quite sure she has her own version of stress that she kind of deals with. Oh, the thing. absolutely. Yep. So it's just kind of having this balance of you being a dad and her being your wife and kind of figuring it out. And I think it's good that you guys have your own ways. And I, and I say this because, to my experience, and what you're kind of telling us right now is, there's not necessarily one particular way that works to deal with stress, you kind of have to find your own path. Right. And I think it's good that you're sitting here, you're kind of giving us kind of ideas on ways to find your own path. And I think that's very important now. And you know, well, when we started this conversation, when I started this series, I I want to talk about mental health. I want to talk about the things that cause mental health, but I also want to come up with solutions and ways that we can kind of work out the problems we have the stress that we're going through, not necessarily solve, because I don't think it's a, it's, a, it's a solvable thing. It's something that you have to kind of combat every day. But if somebody yeah. can listen to this and kind of learn something from it, I think that's important. Well, I feel like there are some people that through heredity, through their parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, that they inherit these mental issues, Right. And then there are some people that develop them through life situations and things that happen to them through their life that creates these mental issues. So I, we, we have to acknowledge it for one. 
That's we have important. to we have to acknowledge it and realize that mental mental health is very important in this country. And two, you know, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say, you know, treat it like a you know a, a, a sickness rather than an illness because you can get over an illness, you can't get over sickness, is what I've always heard. But it's dealing with it. It's it's creating outlets for people that have stress and, and have these mental issues and things way worse than stress, give them an outlet to express themselves at the same time, talking through those things, you know, clinics or, or whatever, doctor's offices, whatever you want to call it, or, you know, um, different, you know, things to do, to do most rural states or most rural towns don't have a lot to do. Depression is a real thing. Seasonal depression is a real thing. I can drive you to towns right now that are literally three or four square miles wide that there's 20 people living in and they're, they just, all they do is sit at home and they, you know, work outside and they're, they're just backwoods like you've never seen that they have no stimulation at all. You know what I mean? And it puts them in a funk and they, they, they commit suicide. They get hooked on drugs. They have to find some outlet to, um, like, a direction to take the the mental illness, and they rely on drugs or or something, you know, worse than that. So, I feel like if we could just acknowledge it and make sure that everybody has an outlet to express themselves about it and an outlet to talk about it, then I don't think we'll have. You know, I'm not trying to get on the soapbox or anything, but I, I feel like if we can just, you know, stop brushing it aside, you know, and acknowledge that it's there and putting forth the effort to do something about it, then maybe over time it'll change. But you can walk the streets of this country anywhere you go, Delvin, and there's drug addicts, drug addicts on the street, homeless people, you know what I mean? So you're right. That has a lot to do with it. Those people, you know, some people can't handle being by themselves and they're out on the streets with nobody and nobody to help take care of them or help them do get a leg up or do anything, you know, and they rely on drugs and they, they get depressed and they, they seek out, you know, you know, getting in trouble with crime and, you know, just all kinds of crazy shit. It, it stems from, I don't even know how to put this. Like I said it while ago, hereditary, you know, heredity, but yes, how do you stop it though, Delvin? You well, know what I mean? Like how, how do you how do you jump the generation and, and do something about it and curb because those generations are dead and gone now. It's the the generation X and the you know a handful of boomers left and we're and we're creating, you know, offspring with developed mental issues. You know well, what I mean? Because because they can't handle the world or they can't deal with, you know, the the stresses of everyday life or whatever they're they're creating mental illness when there shouldn't be you know what i mean and i feel like that's a part of the problem well let, let's let's let me ask you this uh, maybe a granular question okay. do you think america has a problem with mental health like a mental health crisis almost because like you were saying we have the situation where we see a lot of homeless people on the streets and things and and it feels like some of those people have mental health issues, and then you you have the the suicide rates that we have. We have the issues 
with school shootings that kind of some of the school shootings correlate with mental health so do you in your I humble think so. opinion i think so yeah yeah absolutely because i mean the person that shoots up a school one th one person interacting in their life at some point in time could have changed the whole course of that person's life you know what i mean somebody just there to listen about what's going on inside their head yeah all it takes is one person just to listen and say hey i'm here talk to me you know and maybe that i mean you, you, they possibly could have still i mean but you know the butterfly effect one little instance could change the course of your entire life yeah. you know so i feel like we have a problem but i feel like it can be reined in a little bit i think we have the 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 capacity to do that i feel like if 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 you know the country or you know in the government instead of shoving medicine down people's throat give like i told you earlier give them an outlet you know to talk about it and 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 get it out in the open rather than putting them locking them up in a crazy house or shoving pills down their throat why do you think well at least our country it's probably more of a world problem to be honest speaking we don't give the attention that's needed when it comes to mental health to people because yeah. like like I, I think it's like um if you look at how our society goes if you get shot you immediately go to the hospital people if, right. some, if you have a heart attack you go to the hospital but if you have a mental breakdown it's not always that easy no it is not no you go to the hospital with a gunshot wound they're going to treat you immediately. But if you go in there and tell them that you've thought about jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge today, they're going to tell you to wait your turn. So I feel like both of those things are as equally as important as the other. Yeah. You're dying from a gunshot wound. It could possibly bleed out. You're dying from a broken mind. And could possibly jump off a bridge. You know what I mean? The, phys the, the physicality part of it. But what I'm saying is both of those things are as equally as important as the other. Both of those things could kill you. If that guy didn't jump off the Golden Gate Bridge today, chances are he'll do it tomorrow. If he's feeling, if he's still feeling as bad as he was when he was up there on top of the bridge. You know what I mean? So there's, I think it, it's a, it's a, it's a matter of, realizing that mental health carries just as much weight as physical sickness and illness does. Yeah. It's just as important. That's the problem. It's not looked as it's not looked upon as an important issue and it's being swept under the rug. It always has been. That's why in the fifties and the sixties, the, you know, the, the insane asylums were packed full of people with migraines or, you know, PMS, because they didn't know how to handle it, and they just shoved them in a room. That's, they do the same thing now. They just they shove pills in their face or, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like, it's it's a touchy subject, but I feel like it can be easily handled if given, you know, the, the, the means to, to handle it. The proper weight of discussion and maybe, like, you know, just conversations about it and help for people. Doing this 
is a step forward. That's exactly what I'm talking about, acknowledging that it exists. Yeah, I agree. Let, let me ask you this question. I think this would be one of the final questions, but I think this is an important question to ask you. How do you think social media affects mental health? I feel like there's a multitude of levels on it, you know. You have, well, let me get your take first before I say anything. Social media and mental health. The first thing I think about is online bullying. That that creates a problem. You know, so, I think they call them keyboard warriors. They, they, they get online and they bully people and they talk down to them and they don't even know them. And everybody's guilty of it. I'm, the, I'm you know, a, a troll at heart. I love messing with people. But some people take it too far. There's kids going home and hanging themselves off their bunk bed because they got bullied at school or they got bullied on Facebook or bullied on Twitter or TikTok. You know, everybody has their thing. You don't know what people are dealing with. You know what I mean? So maybe TikTok or Twitter or whatever is a way for them to express themselves and get the crazy out. You know what I mean? Some people just have to do it. You know, they have to make stupid videos and they have to look weird and dress funny or whatever and and it's just you know online bullying is i think is where it starts but whenever you see somebody or somebody is you know dealing with depression or anxiety and they see a crazy flashy video some of that stuff can trigger you know as far as the the aspects of social media itself flashy videos or whatever could trigger somebody into a seizure if they're you know if it's given the right circumstance you know but as far as like the presence of and the interaction of people it's a huge problem yeah a huge problem it, i mean it's not only with with kids doing it but online bullies are grown grown people yeah and i think it's it's one of those things i think that kind of gets swept under the rug because a lot of the conversation becomes, well, if you're getting bullied on social media, just turn it off. Right. But as we are learning as a society now, it's not that easy. No. Because you see situations where people get doxxed, and and they and they know you like your your home information and stuff like that, and sometimes these stories get into news coverage, and yeah. then it becomes a thing. Where, like, it's not just a story, like, well, it's just not on social media. It's like when you turn on your TV, you see the story. You, or, or if you go on any website, you see the story. Like, you know, one of the things I always look at when I when I, when I I talk about this is, like, when, when me and you were growing up, right? Right. Because we're close to the same age. Mm-hmm. You get into a fight. We lose a draw. Fight happens. You move on to the next day. Yep. Like, it almost never happened. Today, you get into a fight. Somebody records the fight, puts it on social media, and that fight lives on forever. So if you lose the fight, people can watch you lose the fight over and over again. That becomes almost your identity of this person who lost this fight. Or add on to if you want to even if you even don't want to make it about fights, like you know. Your, your worst moments caught on camera, and it's kind of shown over and over again. And I know people are like, oh, it's just social media, turn it off. But a lot of people have to deal with that. And it's not just like one person seeing <laughs> your L. It's potentially millions of people seeing 
your most embarrassing moment? Oh, yeah. In the 90s, you got in a fight at school. Maybe 30 people seen it. You know, and you fight for the next month, two months, for the rest of the school year to gain your popularity back by either fighting that person again and winning or just creating new friends. Now you get in a fight or you do something stupid on the Internet, and like you say, it's seen by millions of people instantly. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. man, there's, it's, you know, em- embarrassment falls in there too. You know what I mean? You get embarrassed to lose a fight. You get embarrassed for your embarrassing moments put on, on the internet. And that creates anxiety. It creates depression. It creates suicidal thoughts. It creates, you know, just th- those simple things that we do on the internet could ruin somebody's life. You know, just simple things. And we're yeah. all we're all guilty of it. Everybody is. Even if it was harmless, you're still guilty of it. Girl, yeah. look at that! The girl, look at that sweater you got on. You really gonna wear that sweater with them shoes? And they're gonna think about it, like, damn. Okay. Well, I mean, that small things, small things matter, man. Yeah, and the fact that we live so much on social media now as a society is kind of a little bit troubling because, like I said. If, if something bad happens to you on social media, it becomes a topic of conversation for weeks, some cases years. You can become a a gif or, or a meme. There are people out there that can't deal with reality anymore, and they live in a multiverse, or or not a multiverse, but a um, like a uh, social media bubble. Let's just no, call it. No, I'm, I'm talking like. Um, Oh my God! Virtual reality, like the VR stuff. Okay, VR. We talking about VR? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had a brain fart there for a minute. I, I seen a video just the other day of a guy that spends eight to ten hours a day in VR. He goes to work. He drives a car. He has a girlfriend. He goes to football games. He goes to concerts. He lives VR, and 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 he takes it off. He has a job in VR and everything, and his uh off time he sleeps he, he he actually eats and then when he's done he gets right back he actually sleeps i guess you know what i mean but there's people out there that can't deal with reality so they choose to live in a virtual world a made up one where they can do what they want and be who they want to be yeah that's i i find that baffling it, yeah, it's a form of escapism, and yeah. it's a and it, it's and it's yeah. sad because so many people are looking for ways to escape the life they're living now, and that's just one of the many ways. And you kind of see it all the time. There's multiple forms of it in terms of like you know, people will change their whole looks and their whole personalities to fit into a culture or society and things like that, and mm-hmm. because they don't feel like they fit in, or they don't feel like they're okay with how they look or who they are i think that you can you can be who you want to be on the internet yes it's a lot easier to be who you want to be on the internet as opposed to being who you want to be in quote unquote the real world where people judge you and they talk about you especially now now the society seems more combative than ever right and yes in some cases people are more open to things than ever you know when you look at how certain things go we are more open but on the other side of that, people have kind of leaned more into the counterculture of that. Well, I feel like that 
in the climate that we live in, we've never been in this kind of climate before. We've never lived in what we're living through right now, ever. Yeah. The, the political climate, the societal climate, we've never been this far into human, uh, human existence. You know what I mean? As far as emotions and, uh, uh, mental, uh, mental health rather, you know what I mean? So, we're in uncharted territory. We've never had a, a you know an influx of millennials or or Gen Xers with mental issues like they do. You know, yeah. Normally, normally the Gen Xers now, you know, the, these the, the, our generation, you know, it, we deal with it a little bit different. You know, we were we were latchkey kids. You, you, you'd come home from school, put your book bag in the house, and you were gone till the streetlight came on. Yeah. I used to ride my bike miles from my house and not worry about getting kidnapped or getting hurt or starving to death because somebody's mama had something to eat fixed. You let a kid go out of the yard now and they're gone. Kids today, I don't understand it. Like they, they rely too much on social media because if you, if they don't like who you are on social media, you can change it like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And be somebody else and see if they like that person. And if that person works, then you're that person online. But in real life, you're a miserable human being. You know, I don't know, man. I think social media has its ups and its downs. I think it has its pros and its cons. For for this generation, I think it's terrorizing and and and, and you know ruining this up and coming generation. Yeah, I think there is some truth to that. I think um... everything being documented and and videos of this and it's. I know we're getting over just trying to almost straying away from the the mental health. No, I think this is part of it. I think this is definitely part of it. It's it's ruining our kids. It's ruining this generation because there's too much screen time, too much screen time. You know, when I was growing up, there wasn't a such thing as ADHD and ADD and all that kind of stuff. If you were bad and overactive, you got your ass whipped till you sat down and, and act, acted how you were supposed to. You know, now you know there's there's such things as adhd and add and i think it's you know attention deficit because you know they're only given things in short bursts in short increment videos and short things and video games so whenever they're in school they can't pay attention long enough to get their schoolwork done i i think there there's a lot, a lot of things going on with our society i think um it's a lot it's a lot going on i think the fact that and I know this is interesting take on this. I think we may have reached the point where we have too much information on our hands at one point in time. <laughs> and what I mean by that is when you have all the information at the palm of your hands, it can be a lot. It can be a daunting task that can affect you mentally because, you know, people can kind of take that information and misconstrued it the way they want to misconstrued it, and they kind of can flip things around. And when you have that much information, you have that much, those, that many resources, maybe too many resources, it can affect the way you see life and how you do things. And I think that's what's going on with kids now. Kids have a lot of, a lot of information that they can take in, and they're still, while they're still trying to develop their own minds, mm-hmm. they're taking in stuff that um, they wouldn't normally have to take back in our day. Like for example. When we were younger, what the things we learned was from school, mainly in our parents and teachers. That's how we learned. Mm-hmm. 
nowadays you have school, your parents, social media, you have the internet, you have so many resources at your hand that you can look up. And this is funny to say this, but this is also very, very true. Back in the day, kind of what your parents told you, what the teacher told you is what what it was. Mm-hmm. And, and like you know, what I mean Absolutely. by it is like, hey, let me tell you about history. They tell you about history. That what it, that's what it was. Now it's like, yeah, let me tell you about history. I can go look this up right now, and if if I feel like you're feeding me BS, I can call you out on that BS. Yeah, and you know, and I think it's a different time. Like you know, I, I've told this story before, how when I was growing up, we had schools in the south that were like you know. Robert E. Lee Middle School. Yep. And people didn't know who Robert E. Lee was. And then you have the the resources of the internet and stuff like that. And people are like, huh, why are we naming schools like (laughs) of this this guy and other things? And people look at them and they're like, oh, we got to change this. It's not a good thing. And I think that that's one of the positive, but also negative things about society today is that you kind of have so much information that you can, your brain can only take in so much that we're just trying to process overstimulation and, yes and it, it becomes overwhelming at points yep and i think that affects people's mental health yeah when you when, when you can't deal with everyday things that happen just because you don't know your, your mind doesn't know how to react you don't know how to to take in you know, uh, your your mom and dad fussing at you for not taking the trash out or you don't know how to deal with getting stopped by a policeman and how to talk to that policeman when you do get stopped because you think, you know, he's going to beat your ass whether you say anything to him or not. You know, that also creates stress and, and mental health issues. Yes. But but uh, th- th- there's a problem there. And, and where that problem comes from is yet to be told, but and I don't know if it's for attention or if these if these these kids actually have you know problems with dealing with society and people because you know I, I have you know family members that don't like to they they can't be around a lot of people like it's a, a social anxiety kind of thing you know I mean they can't be around lots of people. And they've never had anything traumatizing happen to them in their life. But they just can't be around a lot of people. It just stresses them out and it throws them into a panic attack or something. You know, so where where does that come from? Yeah, it has to be something there that's causing that. And that's I think we something we have to look into and kind of figure out what is causing people to have these issues where they can't be around people or they feel isolated or some of the other problems they have, even the ADHD thing. There's something there. We don't know what it is yet, but it has to be something that's causing these things. You know, I feel like the ADHD, the ADHD and the ADD thing comes from, you remember when you were a kid and your mom and dad just tell you not to sit so close to the TV. I remember that. I, I think, you know, that might, it might come from that. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't <laughs> ever know. You don't ever know. I mean, it's funny to say it, but it's, it could be the simplest of things. You just don't ever know. You know, yeah. what trigger what triggers somebody to have a panic attack when a lot of people get into a room when they've yeah. never had anything traumatizing happen to them? Why are people afraid of clowns? You know what I mean? Like there's no reason to be scared of a clown. There's no reason to be scared of a balloon or or water or anything like that. Like a lot of these things, they come from somewhere. Yes. 
You know what I'm saying? So it's funny. It's silly to say it, but there's there's legit people out there that are actually scared of clowns and are, oh, actually, yeah. are actually terrified of water or something like that. So these seem like asinine things and made-up things, but there are legit people out there that can't deal with water or clowns or something. So where does that part of the mental health come in, though? You know what I mean? Like where yeah. does what, – what what happened to you that you don't like water? Or what, what happened to you that you don't like green uh, – I don't know, like anything green. <laughs> People don't like colors. It's, it's weird, man. Mental, your mind is a powerful thing, though. Exactly. I, I think that's a great way to end this episode. Because, you know, it's, it's it, you're right. It's a lot of, the mind's a, a powerful thing, and there's so many ways and so many different ways it can go, and it's just, it's just a journey, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, Red Man. Let me know where to find you at, man. Before we go. No problem. No problem, man. You can find me on Twitter at Red S S O T W. You can also follow the show, um, Shitty Song of the Week, at Shitty Song Pod on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it now. Uh, we have weekly episodes come out on Monday on Spotify, Apple, and iTunes, all that kind of stuff. So, um, and Shitty Song Show the website. There you that. go. All right, oh, yeah. we out. Peace. Later. <laughs>